Hey everyone, welcome to the Frontline Community Church Podcast. My name is Carol Ann Flood, and I'm the worship director here at Frontline in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Our mission is simple, to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. So whether you've been following Jesus your whole life, or your journey has just begun, we hope that this message will help you draw near to the person of Jesus, be challenged and encouraged by His Word, and be moved to action. We hope these next few moments are a blessing to you and equip you to see who God really is and who you are in Him. Thank you, Cody. Well, good morning, Frontline Church. How are you today? Good. Happy Labor Day weekend. It's just an honor to be here and come speak to you. And so I just want to thank uh, Pastor Brian and David for just this opportunity to come and speak to you. And I don't know, I just feel like this is just so our church home. Cody and I just feel like y'all are family. So it's just an honor and a joy just to come and speak with y'all. But I am going to pose a question to you this morning that might divide the room. It might divide families. I don't know. It's a pretty strong question for Labor Day. Let me just tell you that. So I want to ask you, what is the correct way to load the dishwasher? Do you rinse off the dishes before you put it in? Or do you just trust that that machine is to work for you? And why would I wash the dishes twice? You know what I'm saying? So growing up, I, our, our household was divided on this topic because I had the strong conviction, and I still do, that you are to rinse off the dishes before you put them in the dishwasher. But my mom was in the camp that said, I have a dishwasher for a reason. Why am I washing it twice? It doesn't make sense. You know, and I love my mom, and I'm like, oh, like I wish we could just get this right. And I remember one time, y'all, this played out because you know that when you don't wash the dishes off first and you pull it out of the dishwasher, it's supposed to be clean, clean, but it's not because there's got those little crusties in there in the bottom of the glass because somebody didn't rinse it out. Do you know, does anybody know what I'm talking about? The little crusties in the glass, you might, yeah, you might see it right up here on the screen. It's just kind of like that residue, you know, just... There's nothing you can do but just throw it back in the dishwasher. And then when you pull it out again, it's probably still not going to be clean because you got to scrub it the first time. Amen, church? Do you know what I'm saying? Thank you. I'm so glad. So anyway, this played out because I was about 16 years old and we had our youth pastor and his wife over. It was like one of the first times we met them. And so I was so excited. And then we like, you know, want to be nice hosts. And so we offer them some water and then we give it to our guests. And then all I see is these like little crusties just float to the top of their drink. And I'm like, <gasps> and then they noticed it. They noticed it and they're like, um, I don't know if this is really clean. And I was like, this is so embarrassing. Like, especially as a teenager. And I look back at it still and I'm like, yeah, that's still pretty embarrassing, <laughs> you know? And I was look, I was just thinking about this when I was looking at our scripture that we're talking about today. Because do you know that Jesus actually uses that same illustration in Matthew 23? You're like, what? I don't see that nowhere in the Bible. He really does. He really does. So today we're going to be talking about Matthew 23. And Jesus is always in, he's always talking to the Pharisees, going back and forth with them all the time. We see it in the New Testament. And 
he just basically says, you're falling short because they kind of were wrapped up in the things that they were doing and they didn't really acknowledge the people that they were doing it for or that God that they were serving and their life wasn't being changed. So Jesus has something to say about that and he's warning the people that he's talking to. So if you want to go ahead and turn in your paper Bible or on the phone, your app, the app, the Bible app, or it's also going to be up here on the screen. But we're going to look at Matthew 24, 23, verses 1 through 3. Here it goes. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. And then we're going to skip down to verse 25. It says, woe to you, teachers of the law. Turn to your neighbor and say, whoa, whoa. I know, got to wake you all up. It's holiday weekend. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside are, they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will also be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisee. Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to be people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Whoa. Jesus is calling them out hardcore. He really is. And what Jesus is basically his major complaints with them is that they're not practicing what they preach. They're not living out what they're telling other people to do for themselves. And then he says that they're like those crusty cups that are not really getting clean in the dishwasher, right? So they look clean on the outside, but on the inside, there's stuff that's just not right. There's brokenness there, self-indulgence, wickedness. And then he also says that they're like whitewashed tombs. And on the screen here, I'm going to show you a whitewashed tomb. So what Jesus is referring to is that Back in, the, back in the day of the Jewish people, they would paint tombs white for special festivals and things like that. And when I think of that, I'm like, oh, you're putting on a fresh coat of paint to make it pretty, you know, so there's not the scratches and the scuffs on the wall, like that kind of stuff. But no, they painted the tombs white so that people would avoid them. So that when they were going to a festival, they wouldn't touch a tomb. I don't know why you just kind of bump into a tomb. I don't know how that would happen. But so they wouldn't touch a tomb and then be unclean because there was something dead there. And so you can even see on this tomb here that Jesus is saying that you're like a whitewashed tomb and you look beautiful on the outside. And this one's kind of decorated. But obviously there's something dead on the inside, right? Same as the cup. You look good on the outside, but there's something not right going on the inside. And I can look at them and I can be like, man, why don't the Pharisees get this right? It's so easy to be like, I don't know, 
Why aren't they getting this right? And you're like, Mariah, thanks for the history lesson on the tombs. Thanks for letting us know how to properly clean our dishes and load the dishwasher. But what do we do with all that? And y'all, today I want to talk about how your life needs to match your loyalty. Your life needs to match your loyalty. The Pharisees, they had all these chats, I would rather say like attacks on Jesus. And we're like, oh, how could they be so mean? Or if you're like me, my blood starts to boil and I get really angry when I read it because I'm like, how are you talking to Jesus like that? Like, what are you guys doing? But we see all the time, it's like, how are you missing the people that God gave you to shepherd and steward? And how are you just missing the whole point of the scriptures that you so studied? How are you missing all of that? But their life didn't match their loyalty. And I want to challenge us today that sometimes ours doesn't either. Sometimes ours doesn't either. And you might be sitting in your chair and thinking, oh, no, she did not just call me a Pharisee. I know I would. I'd be like, girl, who do you think you are calling me a Pharisee? It's all right. I'm not calling you a Pharisee. I promise. Just shake it off like Taylor Swift. You know what I'm saying? But no, I'm not calling y'all Pharisees. I promise. I promise. What I am saying is that sometimes at one point or another, I would bet for us in this room that there's been little times where the characteristics of what these guys were doing can creep into our life, and we might not even realize it. We might not even know it. And what we, what I'm trying to learn, or I am learning this summer, is that we learn from people's mistakes, right? I feel like we say this all the time, well, we got to learn from other people's mistakes. And in our high school hangout, which basically is our high school Sunday school or our high school Bible study that we have on Sunday mornings, we've been going through the villains of the Bible and just seeing kind of where they went wrong. So like Pharaoh, Pharaoh was afraid of other people. Pilate was afraid of what other people thought. Judas didn't realize the full consequences of his actions. King Saul was insecure. And, and then we read about the Pharisees who they didn't practice what they preached. And we see with all these people that, yeah, they messed up. They weren't great. But we see the things that they fell to and we're like, oh, that's not so far from me. And I know in my life or have even been tempted to fall to those similar things. And when we think about the Pharisees, what I want us to think today is that, yeah, they were not great and it happened a long, long time ago, but the things that they did and the things that they fell into aren't so far from us. And we get to learn from their mistakes yet today. And so I just want to go through kind of like what, where they fell, where they didn't get it right. So we can learn what Jesus is inviting us into in this passage, what he's warning the crowds of and what we can do instead and how our life can match our loyalty to him. So here's the first thing with the Pharisees where they didn't really get it right. So they didn't practice what they preached. Jesus exposes them for being hypocrites. He calls them 
out. They knew the scriptures. They like had a PhD in the first five books of the Bible, y'all. They had it down. But they didn't live by them. They didn't let their life be transformed by them. They didn't really care about being holy deep down. Not most of them anyway. But they wanted to impress other people. So instead of letting God actually do the work in their life and change them from the inside out, they just want to look good on the outside, like the whitewashed tomb. But when we think about it, this is not just a them problem. This is not just something that happened a couple thousand years ago. This is something that we can do. This is something that might be very common. I just was thinking of a couple ideas. And this might be an example of this, and I know I have fallen to some of these things too. I go to church because that's what my family has always done, and that's what we always do. You go to church on Sunday, and then you go to Russ's afterward, and you take a nap, and that's just what you do on a Sunday. Or you might say, I serve, I volunteer to hang out with other people and because that makes me feel good. Or you might say, I give of my time or my finances so that I look sacrificial. I look like a saint in front of other people. And that's what the Pharisees did, y'all. They emphasized looking obedient on the outside, but never letting God actually into their life, into the yuck and the dirty stuff, and change them from the inside out. And even Cody touched on this earlier. We're talking about the next generation. This is important, y'all, because there are people in your life in the next generation that see what you do. They see what you say and don't do. They see how you act, how you live out your life. And they're going to know that there's a gap. They're going to know that the cup on the outside is clean, but on the inside, there's stuff going on there. But this doesn't be, have to be us. We're learning from the mistakes of the Pharisees, right? That's what we're doing. We're learning from their mistakes today so we can move forward. And so that starts with when we go to Scripture. And that's kind of where we have to start, right? Because we have to know what God says in order to live it out. And so when we go to Scripture, we take it and we apply it to our life. I, James, in the book of James talks about those who read scripture and don't apply it to their life are like when you look in a mirror and then you walk away and you forget what you look like. It's not changed you. It's not really had an impression on your life. But we have a choice to make this different. If we believe Jesus, if we believe in God's word, if we believe that we are the church and Jesus is coming back for his bride, we need to live this out. We need to actually do what he says, especially because it's not just about us, but it's about the generations that are coming after us. Even if you're 16 years old and there's still people that are younger than you looking up to you, this matters. Practice what you preach. The second thing where the Pharisees, they just kind of, they didn't get this right they acted like they had it all together, but their hearts weren't right. What really gets me about the Pharisees is that it was all an act. It was all an act. It wasn't real. And when I think about our culture today, I'm like, we do this all the 
time. We do this all the time. So I know that I've done some of these things to you, but maybe you, you have had the worst week ever. Just the worst week. Like, barely got through it. Had the worst week. And then you show up to church on a Sunday, and somebody's like, how you doing? And you're like, praise the Lord, brother. I'm doing good. The sun is shining, and God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. You know? You do that, or maybe you had a knockout, drag out fight with your spouse and your kids in the car, and you're like, quit your brother or else, you know? Or, and then you get to church on a Sunday, and then again, they ask you at the door, how you doing? We're great. Everything's fine. We're fine. Or maybe you and you have a roommate at college, and you just do not get along with them. Not going great. And somebody is like, yeah, how do you like your roommate? How's that going? And you're like, it's great. Yes, they're the best. We have so much fun together. And then you like, do not speak to them ever, ever. You're like, you stay on your side. I'll stay on my side. It'll be good. Or maybe on social media, you're really struggling and you're going through a hard time, but you best believe that your Instagram page looks great. Everything's aesthetically pleasing. It's great. Your TikTok, whew, on point but you're really struggling with what's going on in your life. And we chuckle about this, or we like elbow the person next to you, or you're like making a look at your spouse, and you're like, that's you, you do that, you know? We chuckle at this because we know that these things happen. We know that we do this. It's so easy for us to choose to just look good on the outside, save face, but we can choose different. And that's what Jesus is inviting us into today. And this really grabs my attention with the older generations to a younger generation. And this could be anybody. This could be if your brother and sister is younger than you, if your friends are younger than you, you have kids, nieces and nephews, grandkids, anybody. Who do you have influence in your life over? Who is in your circle? Who do you have influence over? What lessons do you teach or what advice do you give? Does it reflect the heart of Jesus and what he's doing in you? Does it reflect a heart that is being ever changed by the power of the Holy Spirit? Corrected when sometimes we don't get it right. Does it reflect a heart that loves Jesus and his people, all people? even the ones that are hard to love? Or do you see a little bit of that Pharisee creep in every now and then because you're not practicing what you preach and you're saying one thing, but do another? Do you fess up when you mess up? Are you real with the struggles that you have or even struggles that you've had in the past? Where do you have influence? Because the Pharisees had a ton of it. They had a ton of it. But their life did not match their loyalty, and so they lost it. And I would even say that they led people astray because of the choices that they made. People closest to us, this is the tricky part. They see the inside of the cup and the outside. They see how you are in public and they see how you are at home. And so those things need to match. And that's really hard. 
And who else is closest to us than God, than the one who made us? I think about this all the time. I'm like, I, I don't know how many times I just feel like I've been faking it in front of the Lord. And he knows me. He knows what's going on. And yet I try to like even put up a front in front of him sometimes. And I love this quote. It's from Pastor Stephen Furtick from Elevation Church. Um, and this is what he says. He said, God can't transform the person you pretend to be. God can't transform the person you pretend to be. And I would even say, God can't use the person that you pretend to be because it's not really you. And it's not who he has created you to be. Be real with God. He already knows you. He made you. He loves you more than you can imagine. Be real with God and the people around you. And the last point that I just have is that the Pharisees were open to what Jesus wanted them to do. They weren't open to it. They wouldn't change. And I, I have felt this before. I really have. Um, Cody and I, we went to a Bible college called Indiana Wesleyan, and we loved it there. And we were always um, learning about different stuff about the church, like different um, things that we do, like baptism, communion, all that kind of stuff. And we were taught, and we would even like debate over this in class and it was a whole thing about like things like baptism and like do they need to have a baptism class before they get baptized do they need to make sure that they're saved do we need to make sure that all these things happen or can they just feel the spirit and go get baptized what is the right way and I thought I knew the right way about people getting baptized and that they had to take a class before and it was a whole thing and I remember going to one of our, the other church that we served at, um, they do it similar to how we do it here, that if there was someone in the room that felt a moving of the Holy Spirit that was inviting them to show everybody that they love Jesus and they were going to get baptized, then they could come up and that was okay. That was celebrated. And y'all, I could not believe it because I knew that I was right, and that I was like, where's the class? What, what's going on? You know, where's the baptism class? But what I realized is that they had the service, and people got baptized, and it was beautiful. And the Lord worked in a powerful way, and I missed it. I missed it because I wasn't open to what Jesus wanted to do because I was so tied up in how it was supposed to be and what I thought was right and what I thought had to happen in order for the Lord to work. And that just wasn't true. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss more of what God wants to do because I'm in the way. Because I'm not open to what Jesus wants to do. We have to be open to his spirit and his guiding us and we have to listen and obey. We have to make space for that because when we show the next generation the example of being open to what Jesus wants to do, that's huge. 
when we don't, when we're like all like hanging on to it so tightly, that stuff leaks. And I would be afraid that the next generation might not be open to what God wants to do if we are so stuck in not being open. So we have to be open to what Jesus wants to do. Here's the deal. I'm a pastor and I don't always get this right. I wish, I wish I could stand before you today and say, yep, I got this in the bag. I do this right all the time. But that wouldn't be real. And we're being real today. I, I'm a three on the Enneagram. And if you don't know what a three or the Enneagram is, the Enneagram is a personality test. And a three is an achiever. So basically want to make sure that, you know, I'm doing the best and sometimes when I'm not in a healthy place, want to like climb the ladder of success, you know, or be competitive, make sure that I'm good on the outside, doesn't really matter how I am on the inside. And so this kind of thing and what the Pharisees were doing, that hits me to my core. And I want to be real with you in that. Because there's been so many times in my life when I wanted to impress other people. And so I changed who I was or I did something that normally I wouldn't do because I wanted to be like to impress other people. And um, I've been in youth ministry for about seven years in some form or fashion. And all throughout that, you know, you guys know this in your jobs or at school or in sports, whatever, you know, people, they, they criticize you, they give you feedback. They said, Mariah, I wish you would have done that or you didn't do that right. You left that out. You missed that. And I know over the years, I have, when I'm not submitted to the Lord, I let those things get to me. And feelings of anxiety, bitterness, resentment, they, they creep up in those moments. And I start to build walls up because I do not want people to think that I don't have it all together, that I'm a failure, that I can't do everything right all the time. And I put all these walls up. And in those moments, several times over the course of my life, and I'm sure there'll be several more to come, I hear the still small whisper of the Holy Spirit say to me, Mariah, where are you? What are you doing? Who have I created you to be? Who is your identity really found in? Is it in what other people think? Or it is, is it rooted in my love and who I've created you to be? I need you to lead on that and be real and be who you really are and be okay with not being perfect all the time, for not getting everything right all the time. Because nobody's perfect. When I surrender to the Lord in those moments, there's a freedom, there's a peace, and I can lead better for the next generation. I can have influence because it's 
the Lord working through me and not me just striving to make it all on my own. And I wanna ask you in the room today, what is it that you just need to be real with the Lord about? What is he just tugging on your heart about? Something that I'm learning to do is to be honest with myself. To be like, yeah, God, I, I think I've been seeing this in myself that I'm not really being who you created me to be. And to be honest with God about that. He knows you better than anyone. Why do we try to hide from him? We've been doing that since Adam and Eve in the very beginning of the Bible. They hid from God. We need to be honest before God. And the last one is be honest with the people in your life, with the people around you. Tell the people that you're closest with when you mess up. Mess up when you mess up. Apologize. Be real. Because when you do, you expand your influence on the next generation, whatever that looks like for your life. And the Lord will use you in those moments in powerful ways because you're working in His power and in His freedom for your life. It's a beautiful thing. Where in your life do you need to be real? Where is that for you? Where do you need to be honest with yourself, with God and the people around you? I'm gonna pray for us. And then the band's gonna play. And I just want you to think and reflect on these things. And that could be you're just sitting and just thinking through it and talking to the Lord about it. Or maybe you just need to stand and say, God, I'm gonna walk in your freedom. Maybe you need to walk in the room, I don't care. That's fine. But what, where in your life do you need to be real? Where do you need to be honest? Would you pray with me? God, we come before you and we want the outside of the cup to match the inside, God. We want to be who we are with all people in our life, who we are at home to match where we are in public, God. We wanna live for you fully and be real. We wanna be honest with you. We wanna be honest with the people around us and ourselves. Would you set us free today? Would we be able to walk in just being the person that you created us to be? Would you anoint us with your Holy Spirit that just leads us back to you over and over again? In your kindness, and your mercy, you lead us back to who you've created us to be. Would we lead from that place, God? Would we influence the next generation from that place, God? And would they be changed by how they see us live our faith and our walk with you? Would generations be moved by decisions that are made today, God? We ask that in your name. We love you, Jesus. Amen. We hope this message encouraged you in seeing who God is and who you are in Him. 
If you want to take a next step, visit frontlinegr.com forward slash connect. We look forward to connecting with you there and we'll see you back here next week.